Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 65 called Mathilde. So today's episode is sponsored by Prove, the first five-minute at-home progesterone test to confirm ovulation. Progesterone is the hormone released after ovulation, and it needs to be elevated high enough for long enough to confirm successful ovulation. Problems with ovulation can make it difficult to get pregnant, but with Prove, you can figure out if you are ovulating successfully right from your very own home. This critical information can change the game when it comes to trying to conceive. What I love most about Prove is that it was invented by Amy Beckley, a PhD scientist and infertility warrior whose journey lasted three long years and included seven miscarriages. She suspected that she was having trouble ovulating properly in her own journey, and lo and behold, she was right. She got a progesterone supplement to help and successfully conceived just a couple of cycles later. Her progesterone miracle is now six years old. So you guys know I love female-founded companies, and you know I love products that can truly help you go through this awful infertility road. So check out Prove. The best part is that they're giving Infertile AF listeners a special discount code, Go to provetest.com, enter the code infertileaf20, and you'll get 20% off your very first order. Thanks, Prove. On today's episode, I'm proud to partner with NYU Langone Fertility Center, which performs over 3,000 fertility treatment cycles per year at their two convenient locations in Manhattan, New York. With more than 15,000 babies and counting, NYU Langone Fertility Center has been a world leader in providing compassionate and efficient fertility treatment since 1992. You guys, I'm not going to lie. That's the year I graduated from high school because I'm old. But anyway, NYU is amazing. And if you want some more information, you can call them at 212-263-8990, or you can visit their website, which is fertilityny.org to get started. Again, it's NYU Langone Fertility Center, 212-263-8990, or visit their website at fertilityny.org. Thanks, NYU. Okay, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that in case you don't already know, Fertility Rally memberships are live. So we launched them about a week ago. Everything's going great so far. The Worst Club with the Best Members is up and running. It's an all-inclusive community created for everybody who's been touched by infertility, going through it themselves, loved ones of people going through it. We've got so much on the site, all these different groups that you can join and you can create your own groups too. We've got so much blog content, resources, expert information, and then we have tons of virtual events. So each week it's different programming and we would love for you guys to come check it out. So we've got a seven day free trial for everybody. If you want to check it out, come to fertilityrally.com and we hope to see you there. Thanks. Okay. So back to the podcast. Mathilde Fruste is such an amazing woman and I'm so thrilled for you guys to hear my conversation with her today. She is a principal dancer at the San Francisco Ballet. She is one of the best dancers in the entire world. And today she is going to tell you guys all about her infertility struggles that she's still going through right now. So it's so interesting and I'm so honored that she wanted to tell her story in depth here because in the dance world, infertility is a really taboo subject. 
you know, as she says, it's really unspoken. It's something that nobody talks about, but she's going to talk about it today. So she's going to go into all of that. She's also touching on eating disorders that she witnessed and has experienced firsthand, how that plays into it. Pressure she's felt from herself, her fellow dancers, her dance instructors. And then she's going to tell us just about life in general as one of the best ballet dancers in the entire world. So without further ado, this is Mathilde's infertility story. I'm so thrilled to talk to you today. I was, I took a deep dive into your Instagram <laughs> this week <laughs> and I've been watching all your videos and oh my gosh, I mean, I, I know you, stuff. <laughs> it goes without saying, but you are just such a beautiful dancer and it like brings me to tears watching some of you, the stuff that you've put on. So thank you. Thank and you. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear your story, but you know, you told me a little bit about it mm-hmm. so far and how you know, in the dance world, infertility really is a taboo subject. So I love that you are coming out and talking about it Mm -hmm. and, you know, breaking the stigma. And I can't wait to hear everything you have to say. So thank you, first of all, is what I want to say. Oh, thank you, Ellie. Yeah. Um, Are you nervous at all or are you feeling okay? um, No, I feel okay. It's just, um, yeah, it's just a big coming out in a way. Um, It's, a big taboo in in ballet, but I feel like in at, with athletes in general, in ballet, you know, you don't get pregnant or you don't try to get pregnant. You just eventually, if that happens, you get pregnant and you tell it after three or four months, and everybody is a little bit like looking like you as you as like mm, I'm so sorry, you're gonna miss your season. Mm-hmm. Bad, you know mm-hmm. so there's been like something like that a bit weird so I mean it's like everybody when you're young and you start your career you're like please I don't want to be pregnant I don't want to be pregnant I want to right. dance this role and I might be fired if I'm if I'm getting pregnant and then you know when you want to be pregnant then you know it's a problem right so if you don't mind I love to always start at the beginning and mm-hmm. well first I'd love to hear how old were you when you started dancing and where were you were you I should say that you are a principal dancer at the San Francisco Ballet. How long have you been there and where did you start out? Were you in France or were you always in the States? Or, Well, yeah, I started ballet when I was eight or nine, which is actually weird, but it's late. It's really late for ballet. Usually you start at like four. Sure. Um, yeah. My daughter started yeah. at like two. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I started at nine or, yeah, nine or eight and it was okay. late. Um, what got I was you into really- it? Oh, I was really, really tomboy and I wasn't, I couldn't stay straight. Like my back was um, tilted, like, and my mother wanted me to have a good posture. Uh So she put me to ballet and I hated it. Like really, it was torture to me to go to those ballet class. And it was just once once a week, one hour a day. And it was just horrible and I hated it. So I tried really my best to be fired and I <laughs> succeeded. I got fired of the class and I had to wait an hour in the dressing room, uh, which was before iPhone and all those things. So it was really boring. What did um, you do to, to get fired? Oh, I just 
didn't pay attention and obviously wasn't paying attention at all. Okay. Didn't want to do any step. Like, you know, I was in the back. And my mom arrived and she was really upset I got fired. And she was like, well, just for you to know, I paid the whole year. So you can get fired every week if you want, but you're going to continue because I paid it all. Oh. So I'm like, shit. And she <laughs> said, on top of that, I'm, you're not going to have your skateboard for a week. And I'm like, what? I was really tomboy. I was more into skateboard and stuff like that than ballet. Wow. And, and where were you so, living at this time? Uh, in southwest of France, um, okay. near the Spanish border. Okay. And I was like, oh, shit. So um, the week after, I wanted my skateboard back, right? So I tried to pay attention and I didn't want to get fired of the class. And then I was like, well, I can do that. Not that hard. It's not that painful. It's not that difficult. And then week after weeks, like, I was like, well, I actually like it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So um, really, really fast because I you know, I was late. I got into a professional school, like literally a week after, um, sorry, a year after my teacher was like, okay, she's gifted. She needs to go to professional school. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, that can be your job. I'm like, wait, you mean dancing around like that can be my job. I can just like dance around and be paid. Mm. And they're like, yeah, Pretty much. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll do that. (laughs) And I was nine years old and I decided that's going to be my life because at that time it was easy for me. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I I was really slim and, you know, I had, I had the perfect body for it. So it was just Mm -hmm. easy. When I arrived in professional ballet school, that was another, I discovered that, okay, well, that's not going to be as easy as I Mm -hmm. thought. And it's a real job and it's hard. Mm-hmm. So then that when I went to professional Paris, uh, Paris Opera Ballet School, then I discovered I really tested my passion. Like, do I really want to do that or is it right. just a game? And if it's just a game, you don't make it. Because uh-huh. literally every week uh, you have teachers telling you that you're fat, that you will never make it. Um, you, every year you get fired or you have to redo the class or you, you pass, most of the time you get fired. But whenever one of the girls have, you know, boobs showing up, you get fat, you, know, mm. you have the fat talk. Like, and so what we had to do, we had to put big piece of tape on our, on our breasts mm-hmm. because we, want, we didn't want our boobs to show up, you know? So it was like really, really hard. Yes. And lots of, were there a lot of eating disorders and things? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We all had eating disorder. I Mm. mean, if ever we had um, cookies in, it was a boarding school, of course. If ever we had cookies, the teacher would, when we were at school during the day, they would come into your bedroom at night, your bedroom during the day and take all the food we had. Mm. If we had cookies hidden under under the bed, like it was like a jail, like literally like a jail, you know, you couldn't hide any food. (laughs) Yes. What was it like with the other girls? Did you bond with them or was it very competitive? It was really competitive. The school Mm -hmm. is really competitive. It was hard to bond and I, yeah, it, it was really hard. I made friends later when I was professional, when I joined the ballet company mm-hmm. after I was 16 years old. But the school, I don't have a good memory of the school. Mm. What were, what, can you tell me some stories about like, what were the kinds of things that was there like, would people like sabotage each other or like, I'm sure everyone's trying to get the lead roles and all the dances yeah, and stuff, right? Yeah. That, and it's funny because it's, 
somehow more in ballet school than in professional companies. Mm-hmm. You know, kids are hard to each other. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it was like, it was more like uh, mean in the, in the, like, yeah, if somebody was like having boobs earlier than other one, we were like, mm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're going to be fired. Yeah. It's bad. You know, it's like those things. Or, oh, I remember it was terrible. I've always been skinny. So in a way I was lucky, but yeah. my friend, we were at the cafeteria, the, the, like the restaurant uh-huh. and at night and we take the tray and we just take the dish that is in front of us and it was rice and chicken. So I take mine and she takes hers and one of the teacher comes and take a plate out and put just vegetables in front of her in mm-hmm. on a tray and that's it and in front of the whole school she was on the diet menu mm-hmm. but nobody talked to her nobody tried to help her she just like no you cannot eat that you eat vegetables that's it wow like you're 13 years old or 14 years old right like oh how is that so yeah we all had eating eating disorder big time right yeah that's wow that's incredible so what Tell me, so at 16, you joined the professional company? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At 16, I got my first contract, which was uh, with Paris Opera Ballet. And I stayed there for, yeah, and I, I left Paris Opera Ballet when I was 28. So, okay. Well. And you came to San Francisco at 28? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So in Paris Opera, just quickly it's a little bit like the army you have like different grades and every year it's a contest and you get promoted and then you get to dance the roles you know if you are at this grade you'll have this role and if you have if you're higher you have a better role so mm-hmm. I felt I was kind of stuck in Paris and I started to be uh, frustrated and I think there is nothing worse for an artist uh, than being frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be this person. So I was like, okay, I need to, I need to go away. And I always loved San Francisco Ballet. It was one of my favorite company. Mm-hmm. And also I loved it because it's really far from France. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I could go further, you know. Right. <laughs> so I kind of liked that. It was like an adventure. Uh-huh. So what were your, when you joined, when you got to San Francisco, What's your day to day? Like what how many hours a day are you dancing? And we start the morning at 10 and it's like a warm-up, like a ballet class all together that we're still doing on Zoom every day, despite you know, during this crazy right. time. And then after we go on, on rehearsals, when we don't have a show, we do 10 to 7 p.m. nonstop. So we don't have a break. We have five minute break every hour. Wow. So it's either you go to the bathroom or either you eat, but you mm-hmm. cannot do anything. So most of the time we do it at the same time, you know? Right. So a sandwich, a sandwich is like go for three days. <laughs> you know, I find like all sandwich in my dance bag. It's crazy. Right, right. Um, and when we have shows, we start at 10 and we finish at 11 p.m. Okay. So it's like long days. Yeah. And have you had any injuries along the way? Oh, so many. Right, I'm sure. <laughs> But that's that's part of the um, of the job, though. You know, it's like when you're on point shoes. If your mind stops focusing for like a second, then you break your ankle. So um, it's I torn my ankles uh, maybe twenty times each. I had like a bad knee injury, mm-hmm. two feet surgery. Like yeah, 
I had, you name it, I had it. That's really part of the job. So that's, we know that's going to happen. Right. Have you ever wanted to give it up? Like, has it ever been just so hard that you, you know, wanted uh, to, to quit or do something else or? Not really, first of all, because I always had this feeling that I don't know what to do else, mm. what else to do. I stopped school. I was uh, 14. So I I really have no idea what to do. Like dancing is the only thing mm-hmm. I know in my life, which mm-hmm. is horrible to say, but also great in a way. No, it's um, amazing. But so, yeah. And also, God, when you go on stage, well, it's like, it's like drug. I don't know. It's an addiction. When you, when you go on stage once, even if you stop for a year because you injured, which I did, I, once I had to stop for a year and a half, but I had the taste of the stage, you know, and this you never forget. Right. So it's always, always push, pushes you to go back. Right. Yeah. You know, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. So tell me, you know, as a kid, you said you started dancing at eight or nine. Did you always want to have kids? Did you think about the future and being a mom or was that something that didn't really cross your mind mm-hmm. when you were younger? When I was younger, honestly, I I didn't really think about it. But I remember I was always so proud of... Uh, my mom is really young. She had me at like 20 or something. Uh-huh. And I remember she would pick me up from school and I was so proud. She was so pretty and young. And, you know, she was literally 15 years wow. younger than all the other mothers. So right. she... And she's really pretty on top yeah. of that. So, so yeah, I was super proud. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I would like to be a young mom like you. And it's so cool because we are best friends. Right. Um, so I always wanted to be a young mom. But then I went into ballet and it was always really clear that I had to kind of make it before having a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to at least be a, in a place when my career was established before anything mm-hmm. because of this taboo or stigma about like, Oh, you have kids, uh, you're done. You're not going to mm-hmm. be a dancer anymore. So I was like, okay, well I'll wait when I find my place in this world, in this art world. And then I'll think about it. As you were coming up and building your career and getting more and more successful and working so hard, was there like in the back of your mind, did you feel like the biological clock was ticking or were you kind of just so career focused that you were able to kind of put that aside? Uh, a few things. Yes, I always thought about this clock, but I was so career focused and my clock was like, okay, I need to dance this role before 28 and then I need to learn this technique before 30 and then, okay, going on 35, I need to know, like, you know, but I think in a way it was also a way to not think about the biological clock and mm. also not think about what, you know, years of eating disorder when I was younger mm-hmm. and working out so hard and being, of course, underweight because when you, a ballerina, you underweight would do to my body and would do to my fertility. Right. It was just a way to not think about it. Right. I'd love to hear more if you don't mind about, you know, when you, we were DMing a little bit and you were saying that in this world, you absolutely never talk about the wish to be a mother. So tell me about that. Like, 
you know, you just kind of touched on it a little bit, but Mm -hmm. is it spoken? Like, do people say that or is it just kind of an unspoken thing that you shouldn't talk about it or like how, what is it really like? Yeah, it's really unspoken. There is this image of if you have kids, then you'll be less focused and you'll be less willing to spend time in the studios. Like, I don't know a lot of jobs when you have to be there at 9 a.m. and well, the show finishes at 11. So the time to undress, take the makeup off, take the tutu off, like, you know, and get changed. I never go out of the of the Seattle before midnight. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's like, oh, are you going to do that if you have kids? Then you'll have to rush things and you'll have to maybe not do all the rehearsals you need to do. You, you know, so it's something that nobody talks about it. And mm-hmm. also... There is this thing about, you know, we're so body body focused, Mm -hmm. like you have to be so in shape and so slim and so perfect. Then, well, having a baby means, okay, you you have to get your body ready for that. Maybe put some weight on and then you'll have to, you will put some weight on. And then will you lose this baby weight? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this, all these things, so many things like I, you know, Finally, things are changing a little bit. So I have a, one or two friends who are principal dancer like me and had, had a baby. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, Mathiel, you know that. So, you know, in ballet, we do a lot of jumps. And they're like, there's something that you cannot do right away when you come back after pregnancy. Right. That the jumps, like, yes. you can't. Like, technically, you will pee on yourself, right? Totally. Um, and, and I was talking with, the, with my friend and she's like, well, you know the difference in between when the ballet director of the company is a guy or when it, it's a girl, it's a mm-hmm. woman. Because the woman, will, when you come back from having a baby, she will never ask you to do a, a solo when there is a lot of jumps. Mm. Because she'll know. But a right. guy will be like, yeah, you can do this part. And she's like, no, it's so much jumps. But you look in shape, you're good. You've been here for three months already. Yeah, but still, it's not ready yet you know so like all those things like nobody talks about it totally it's that's so funny so it's so you have had people who that you've worked with or danced with who Mm -hmm. have had kids and have come back so it is possible it is possible it's It's probably just not very easy right it's not easy it's possible it's changing and Mm -hmm. I think the more ballerinas would be like feel they can have baby, the more, the better it's going to be, you know? Right. Well, I know that, you know, again, you're taking a bit of a risk by telling the story. So I really appreciate Mm -hmm. it. And thank you for your honesty and like showing us into this world. So when did you start to try to have a baby and what happened? Mm -hmm. So I've been on the PL since I'm basically 16 years old. Okay. Were you ever scared that that was going to make you gain weight? Because that's one of the things. No, it's crazy. I, I think I have a weird body. I didn't put one pound, like nothing. Didn't even have more boobs, which I was kind of hoping in a little, you know, in a way, because I literally have no boobs. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I hope, you know, I'll look a little bit like a woman. And Mm. no, nothing. So I, anyway, I went on the pill and when was it? It was in 2017. Mm-hmm. I'm, 
I broke up with my boyfriend at that time. And I was like, well, I feel like being single for a little bit. So I think I'm at the same time, I'm going to go off PL because it's been too long. And, you know, I started to read about, you know, fertility and all those things. I was like, I feel like I need to go off this pill. So I went off the pill and didn't have my period for for like nine months. Mm. And... It was cool at the beginning. I was like, oh, that's great. Like, no period anymore. Yay. Right. And after nine months, I was like, okay, well, maybe there's something wrong. So I went to, um, I was in France at that time uh, for holiday. And I went to my doctor over there. And also, I can't remember you say in English, uh, gynecologist, we say in French. But, yeah, um, gynecologist? Yeah. Okay, cool. You you say the same in English. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it sounds so um, much better when you say it. But yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so she was like, "Well, no, you know, it's normal when you go up the pill, and also you're an athlete, you're working too hard. You know, body weight is a thing too. So I'm. We're just gonna try something. She put me on the pill for like ten days, and she said, if you have your period after that, then it's okay. Nothing's too bad." I took, I took this pill, I got my period. Okay, I went back to, um, to um, San Francisco. And then I, you know, I met my husband, no? And about the same time, and I was like, well, I, of course we just met, so we didn't want kids right now, but I told him, listen, I don't have my period, so I don't think I need to take the pill anymore because anyway, I don't have my period, so you, we don't risk anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fine. So um, six months passed again, still no, still no period. So at that time, I'm almost like a year and a half. And I'm like, okay, well, this is really, really not normal. Mm-hmm. And we started to talk about, you know, my husband is 51 and I'm 35. So I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, we love each other really much. And let's try, let's try to have a baby. But first mm-hmm. I need to have my period. So I went to the gynecologist here in America, in San Francisco, and we did all the tests um, possible. And she was like, well, few things, of course, the same thing, body weight, mm-hmm. athletes. She said it could be the PL, but now it's been a year and a half. So she didn't really believe it was, you know, the PL problem. Mm-hmm. So she said your hormone levels are all really lows, low. So... Um, we can try if you want IUI, but I think you should go to IVF. Mm. But she said, we can try Clomid and IUI, and, but I want a fertility doctor opinion first. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, okay. So it was a big... Also, you have to know something that it's hard to go to a doctor when you not don't speak totally fluent right. language. Sure. Like, I had no idea what she was talking about. Right. IUI, IVF, uh, in Francis, FIV, FIV. So IVF was like, wait, wait, what? What she's talking oh about? Is God. it FIV she's talking about? Right. So I never like, thought about that. Yeah, yeah all this, everything all is the, different. <laughs> all the acronyms and the letters and the you know yeah, the abbreviations and yeah. I have to say that I learned so much more since I'm listening to your podcast than oh. all those months of going to fertility doctors because they think, they assume I understand what they say, but literally sometimes I would call my doctor and I had no clue what she said. 
All right. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I, right. speak, I spoke English, <laughs> you know, yeah. because that seems really interesting what she was talking about my ovaries, but I didn't get anything. Right. Oh, um, so that, that's made it challenging also. I love um, that you listen to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I listen to every single episode. Oh my God, I didn't really. know that. <laughs> every single from the beginning. So yes, yeah, so when she said, she was the first, that, the first one telling me, okay, you need to see a fertility doctor. So of course, like, you know, crying and stuff mm-hmm. and oh my God, what's happening. Right. It was like this big thing about, uh, I'm always been really successful in my in my job yeah I you know I got promoted and you know principal dancer everything I wanted I had it and I worked really hard for it and and then I think it's the first time something or somebody or whatever wasn't the best wasn't successful like I'm used to be the best you know I'm trained to be the best and she was telling me that I wasn't the best uh, at possibly being pregnant. And I was like, no, no, this is not possible. I was raised to be the best. (laughs) So um, it was a big, you know, slap in the face. Absolutely. That's so interesting that you say that because it's so true. And, you know, anybody going through infertility knows that it's, you know, I've said this before, it's like studying your ass off for a test and you get an F, you know, um, your fail, you know, it's, it's just, and obviously you've worked so hard your whole life to, like you said, be the best. And it it's worked in every area except for this one, right? Yep. That's amazing. And then suddenly you're like, all right, okay, well, I'm one of the best dancers in the world, whatever. But what it is, if I cannot have a baby, like, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's like spinning in my head. It was like, okay, well... I worked so hard to be this dancer, but at the same time, I destroyed my fertility. Mm-hmm. So it's like my happiness made me so unhappy, right? It's making me so unhappy right now. Like I did that to myself. Like I destroyed it myself because I worked too hard because I mm. want to be, wanted to be too slim. And because like I did that to myself. It's not like I listened to your podcast and there was people who have disease and stuff. I didn't. Mm. I just made, I just did it to myself mm. and that's like super hard. And I went to this time also when I, that's why, that's funny when you told, you asked me earlier if I wanted to, um, if I ever thought about stopping dancing and that's the only time when I was like, I want to stop dancing mm-hmm. because I would go to the studio and rehearse all day. And I was like, it's because I'm doing that. Then I cannot have a baby. Like, I hate what I'm doing right now. I hate this job that destroyed my life. And like, it was like a really dark time. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> yeah, sorry. I couldn't even was... stand being on stage. Like I was like all those people, these 3000 people in the audience. And I'm like, all those people, they are like coming to see me dance, but it's because I'm doing that that I cannot have a baby. And all those people, they have babies. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it's just like horrible. Wow, yeah. that's so that's so intense. I'm yep. so sorry that you feel that way or that you felt, mm. you know, that felt that yeah. way. That's really rough. Guys, I want to tell you about these new customized vitamins I've been taking from a wellness brand called Care Of. You take a short online quiz and answer questions about 
your diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle, like how much sleep do you get? How often do you work out? Do you follow any specialty diets? Are you concerned about your hair, skin, and nail health? And I was like, not enough, not enough, not enough, and yes, definitely. And then about a week later, you get this package of vitamins and supplements delivered right to your door. And they have these little daily packs, which are super cute and easy to throw in your bag, travel with. And then they have this booklet that explains what you've been sent and what each pill does and why it's been sent to you. But my favorite thing that I've been using, and I already ran out of them, so I need to get more, are these little quick sticks, they're called, of caffeine. So it's a powder that you pour into your mouth and it tastes really good and you don't need water and you just swallow it right down and you get this little caffeine jolt. Um, They also have really yummy protein powders that are made of wholesome ingredients like organic cocoa, pink Himalayan sea salt, and other really yummy good stuff. So that being said, Care Of is offering you guys, my listeners, 50% off your first order. So go to takecareof.com and enter the code infertileaf50. Again, it's 50% off first order. Go to takecareof.com and enter the code infertileaf50. Thank you. Yeah, it was a rough time. Mm -hmm. But then I, you know, I made those I went to um, PCF. I've seen like you are uh, actually um, a Pacific Fertility Clinic, actually, PFC. Sorry. Oh, like, yeah. All in French reversed, you know. No, that's, okay. Um, and they are really awesome. Yes, um, they are. Uh, that's our, uh, that was my advertiser this week. Yeah, I know. I, I've seen that. Oh, I didn't know that you work with them. I love mm-hmm. them. They're so great. Yeah, really. They've been nothing but, but amazing from like oh. the first day and I don't know. They even the doctor came to see me dance and stuff. Like we are super. Oh, they are really yeah. awesome. And yeah, we talked and decided that we would try first IUI because uh, in the meantime, I started to do all this to take all those like pills and you know mm-hmm. stuff and do all this like as you call it, woo-woo stuff and <laughs> um, acupuncture and everything. And I have to say, we, I don't know why. I don't know if I suddenly, because I had a hard time walking at the ballet, you know, this dark time, I took it a little bit slower. I don't know what it is, but my hormone levels came up a little bit. It was much better. Mm-hmm. So she was like, well, let's try Clomid and IUI and we'll see. So we were almost ready to start, but then they, the fertility clinic, they always call me and say, hey, Murad, my husband, needs to do his cement analyze, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're not going to do it if he needs to do this test. And I'm like, yeah, I keep on telling him, but you know, he's a guy and mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do that. And I'm like, well, there is no, you know, he has to do it. I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you for your help. <laughs> okay. right. So I'm like, hey, love, you know, you need to do it. And it's like, no, I, I'm not doing that. Okay. Listen, how many ultrasound did I do? Like how many <laughs> acupuncture? Like, I think you can do that. It's not mm-hmm. too hard, you know? Right. So anyway, he finally did it. And we had kind of a bad news. And his results were actually really bad. Mm. Um, the motility was like, so 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 bad 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be around 50 and his number was like five, mm. which is weird. So the, the, we called the doctor and she was like, well, we see this kind of number only with obese people or really, really heavy smokers, like or drinker. Murad never had alcohol of his life and mm-hmm. he never had cigarettes of his life and he's like super slim. So we were like, okay, so that's none of that. So he did a, a genetic testing to uh, see if there was like, um, they call that genetic fragmentation. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of it. So that was also really bad news because that pretty much says we cannot use his sperm. Okay. Um, that if we used his sperm, it would be a lot of genetic, genetic disease. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we don't want that. Yeah. So we were wow, like, that must have been hard to take. Yeah. And that was like, it was a switch though in the couple a little bit because sure. the broken, and I'm making this sign with my hands at the same time, uh-huh. the broken one was me this whole time. And then suddenly it was not only me, it was a little bit him was broken too. Right. Did so that make I you feel a little less hard on yourself and a little less guilty? Yeah, it's so weird to say that. And I no, think you're the first person I'm saying that to, but yes, it yeah. made me feel better. That's it's so weird, but it totally made me feel better. I think that's super human of you <laughs> to feel that way. I, w- I would have yeah. felt the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was like this, we were in the car. I remember when we took this call from the PFC and I remember it was, I was super quiet and my head was spinning and after the call Murad did this like super sweet thing and he, he like he hugged me and he was like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and from this day I was like okay this is not okay we can't we have to stop being sorry it's not our fault mm-hmm. it is not your fault it is not my fault that we are broken <laughs> mm-hmm. and we have to stop apologizing because what if I get pregnant and I have a miscarriage? Um, I don't want to apologize because it's not going to be my fault. Like, we need to stop apologizing. Yeah. So we made this pact uh, that whatever happens, we're not going to apologize. Apologize because it's not a fault. And I love that. Yeah, I really remember. Really, that was a strong day for us. Like a really bonding, you know. Day. Yes, and probably a turning point in your relationship yes. too, where the blame totally. is suddenly thrown out the window, and it's just yes. like let's get through this together. Yeah. And I think also, you know, like for guys, there is a little proud, pride, sorry, about like, Mm -hmm. you know, your sperm or whatever. And totally, that that was the end of it. You know, we were like, okay, whatever happens, happens and it's not our fault. Right. So, yeah. So can I ask you, did you, do you know anybody else who is a ballet dancer who has gone through IVF or any of that? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody and nobody is talking about it. And That's, you're not telling anybody. And I went through this whole thing without telling anybody. Okay. And that's why I decided to talk about it because it's impossible that I am the only one going through it. Mm-hmm. It's literally impossible. We all, I, I see all the other dancers, we all had eating disorder and working too hard. Like mm-hmm. I see my friends like, Nobody has regular periods. Like mm-hmm. I am not the only one who's going through it. And mm-hmm. I wish people could dance or athletes um, could actually talk more freely about it and be like, 
if somebody had told me when I was 20, hey, Mathieu, don't work too hard, eat better food. Okay, don't try to lose, wait, I'm in kilos, but don't try mm-hmm. to lose pounds when you actually look great mm-hmm. because after you're going to have to go through IVF, trust me, I would have liked it. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, yes, okay, cool. Right. You know? But nobody told me that. So um, I, I just hope that I can, you know, avoid people to make mistakes with their fertility by working too hard or being on a diet too strict, you know? Absolutely. You're definitely going to be changing lives by people that will listen to this for no doubt about it for sure. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Another thing you said that I thought was so interesting was, so you're doing these shots and you're still Mm -hmm. dancing 10 hours Mm -hmm. a day. Yeah. And you told me that you would be like crying in the wings of the (laughs) stage. Yeah. So tell me yeah. about that. I mean, obviously it's hormones and it's everything mm-hmm. you're going through, but you, God, that must've been so hard. Yeah, that was not easy. But first we ended up using Morat spams because we decided to, so we went to see this like amazing fertility doctor in San Francisco, works mm-hmm. with PFC and he, they're so lucky, you know, all sperm like regenerates every three months. So he took this really uh, strong treatment and he got tested again three months after. And the doctor said, okay, well, your sperm is so much better. You can try IVF with, with your sperm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we ended up using it, using his sperm. So that was, that was the good news. Oh, okay. that was yeah. a twist I wasn't expecting. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was, that was really awesome. Um, but th- what was funny is in the meantime, I went to all the, um, the sperm donors website in San Francisco and you know, San Francisco is all based with, with like technology and like mm-hmm. dating app and all those apps. Yep. And I got so surprised. Like the, if you want sperm, it's so easy. It's like a dating app. You do your profile and you, you can choose everything. You can choose the sense of humor. You can choose the level of education. Right. You can choose if you want curly hair. It's awesome. Like I was mm-hmm. like, listen, if you want to use yours, I'll do that. This app, it's really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just have fun playing around with the yeah. app here. Picking so, my, yeah. That was funny. That like kind of made me love for three months. In the meantime, we were mm-hmm. waiting for this result, but we ended up using using his his stem. Okay. And so yeah, we start we got started in February with with the shots. And since I decided to not tell anybody, I was doing the shot and then rehearsing all day, wearing a tutu and a leotard, which is basically like a swimming suit, right? Mm-hmm. And being for 10 hours in front of mirror. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you remember, right? When you mm-hmm. do those shots, the last thing you want is wearing a swimming suit in front of 3,000 people. Absolutely. Looking at yourself in the mirror all day. You know? And did you notice your body was changing physically? Yeah. 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 yeah I was, I'm like, I put like seven pounds uh-huh. in 12 days, which, you know, it's not that much if you think about it, but when you use every single muscle the way we use, like mm-hmm. you can feel it. And also I was, um, like my, my stomach was like puffy, you know, like bloated. Yeah. Were people See? saying anything to you? Um, yeah, I did. It was funny. So um, I did get, got the, um, the fat talk. <laughs> you did? Uh-huh. So from it who? was after this dress from one of the um, ballet master. So um, one of the teacher of the ballet, mm-hmm. uh, it was after a rehearsal and 
So one of the side effects of those shots also is like you get you have cramps, but not only in your ovaries, you have cramps in your legs, you have cramps everywhere. You like really um you feel out of shape like globally and you uh-huh. can't breathe. Like I remember being being like out of breeze, you know, all the time and sweating a lot. And so after rehearsal, it didn't go that well because, you know, I was, <laughs> I think I was like at day eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it started to be intense. <laughs> and it took me on the side, um, which is, you know, never a good sign. And mm-hmm. it's like, my child, I need to talk to you. Like, I don't know what's happening to you. You are really out of shape. And Maybe you don't work hard enough. Um, you need to be more focused. Also, you don't seem focused. Like, you need to pull yourself together. Like, the show is in five days. Like, if if it doesn't get better tomorrow, the day after, like, I'll have to take you out of the show. And mm-hmm. I'm like, huh, tomorrow I'll have another shot. So I'm telling you, it's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. Um, Did you but say, I were you able tell, to say I that? I you... tell that. No, no. I was like, mm-hmm. right. yeah, sure. I'll lose like seven pounds by tomorrow. Yeah, oh sure. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. <laughs> so I didn't say, I didn't say, I didn't say. Then we, we did, we started a stage rehearsals. It was before the show and I was in the wings and I was like crying because you know, it's hard to dance in front of 3,000 people on a normal day, but <laughs> high on hormones, <laughs> you literally want to kill yourself. <laughs> I cannot even imagine, literally. I was hysterical. Like, I would, like, laugh so hard and cry, and, like, they couldn't fit me in the tutu, so I, uh-huh. like, started to scream on my dresser. I'm like, this is, like, this tutu is not mine. I used to fit in my tutu. And she's like, no, Mathilde, this is your tutu. <laughs> oh my God. You're <laughs> your like name is on the tutu. tutu. Okay, <laughs> you like, need to make all of this into a movie, by the way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> so she's like, no, Mathilde, that's your tutu. And I'm like, this is impossible. Try harder. And she would like try to close it in my bag, but <laughs> it would not close. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's okay. I'm, I'm just going to wear it open. And uh, she's like, no, you can't wear your tutu open. Like, it's okay. I'll mm-hmm. give you another one bigger. And like, no, no way. I would only dance with my tutu. <laughs> well, it was pretty bad. Amazing. Were you ever tempted to just be like, I'm doing fucking IVF, like blow up at somebody? Or yeah, like- I, I did by the let la- some. I had to actually tell one person yeah. um, by the end because I was going to have the ritual, the ex ritual, and uh-huh. I wasn't going to be at the ballet on that day. And of course, they had scheduled me for a show on that day. And I honestly, you know what, do we the thing? So my ex ritual was at 8 a.m., and I was so tempting, tempted. Like, I was like, I think I can do the show at 8 p.m. Oh my God. I think I can totally do it. Like, I'll just do my egg retrieval and then I'll show up at the ballet and then I'll do the show. No problem. Oh my God. And then <laughs> I talked with the doctor at PFC and they told me, listen, that's not a good idea. No. <laughs> you can't do the show at night. It's, right. you're not, it's not a good idea. Like, you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to be in pain. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'll take one day. So I had to tell them then I would miss this day. And... I, it was after my trigger shot and I was going to come up with a fake excuse or come up with something that mm-hmm. 
but I was so sensitive and high on hormones that I couldn't hold it. I was like, listen, <laughs> I'm not going to be here tomorrow. And it's like, well, you can't miss tomorrow. I'm like, okay, here what's happening. <laughs> and I wow. like told them, told this person, uh, which was this ballet master who gave me the, you out of shape. Talk. Yeah. And he was like, okay, okay, well, you're doing that, but you're going to miss tomorrow. Okay, okay, that's fine. But you have to wake up earlier and do a warm-up class before the egg ritual. And like that, you'll be less out of shape in two days. And I'm like, oh. I'm not waking up at 4 a.m. to do a ballet class. I'm what? sorry. So this <laughs> is a guy ballet master? Yeah, and this is a guy ballet master, of course. Yeah? <laughs> do you think it would have been different if it was a woman? Yes, it would. Yeah. Yeah, of course it would. Yeah. Yeah. So I got the egg retrieval and the day after I, went, I was at the belly. <laughs> so you got, you did take the day off, thankfully, right? Yes. But you I were did. back the very next day? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's insane. And how was it? It was painful, but I was happy. I did it. I was still, you know, like you still have all those hormones in your body. So I was still super sensitive, but I was really happy. I did it. I think um, I was kind of proud of myself. Mm-hmm. It seems like a big achievement. Um, Absolutely. You know. And so this was just a couple of months ago, right? Yeah, that was in February. Okay. Yeah. So how did how did the retrieval go? Like, what did they? How many eggs did they get, and all that? And so um, I was really happy because they the whole shot time they were like yeah you don't have a lot of eggs I mean you know so they're like okay maybe six or seven they ended up taking 13 which I was super surprised Mm -hmm. on the 13 10 were mature and then nine got fertilized and then you know you every day you lose Mm -hmm. some right which it's so weird like every day you connect to this app again uh, app, you know, <laughs> we're in San Francisco. And, yeah. and then you see, okay, today I have eight. Okay. Today I have seven. Oh, wow. The big drop tomorrow. It's only five. Like, it's just like, um, it was so stressful, yeah. but also it seems so irreal, you know, totally. you just see a number and you're like, is it really my ex? Is it really my future? Is it really possibly yes. some babies? Um, I never had the app. That's things have changed a lot, even mm-hmm. in the last, you know, six, seven years. It's crazy. Yeah. But you know what? In a way, I like better having the app because one day somebody called me from the clinic and again I couldn't understand anything she said. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> can you can you send me an email? Because I don't understand what you're exactly. talking about. <laughs> exactly. So um, it was actually helpful for me to have, you know. Right. And so we ended up sending four eggs to the genetic testing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by that time, I, you know, we go to, I Google so many things and mm-hmm. all the things. And I was like, well, after the genetic testing, it's so little percentage of it who pass it, you know. So if I send if they tested four, then if I'll be lucky if I have one. Mm-hmm. And that's what the doctor said also, also mm-hmm. because of Murad's history of genetic fragmentation, you know? Right. So honestly, I was really almost ready to do another round of IVF of shots. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, okay, well, it's okay. It was a first try. Right. Uh, and then the doctor called us 
And I remember that day, I had totally forgotten they would call us. We were like arguing in the car and then I received this call and I'm like, oh shit, that's today, that's the result. And I'm like, okay, we need to pull ourselves together. I was literally screaming in the car. I don't know, I was upset or something. Uh And so we like shut up and suddenly she said, we had three. Wow. So it's amazing that we got three good out of four. Right. So three healthy embryos mm-hmm. have been tested. Okay. Yeah. And three girls. Oh, wow. Did they yeah. tell you right then that it was three girls? Yeah. yeah. We wanted to know. Okay. Not that I wanted to choose. I wanted sure. them to transfer the, the strongest. Yes. Um, they say. Right. Um, but, you know, as a curiosity. <laughs> Absolutely. At that point, you know what? We, I learned so much about myself that I can know that, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) The inside of myself doesn't have any secret anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. What's happening now? So, well, by the, all the testing, it takes three weeks. It was like beginning of March and then the COVID happened, right? So um, we were, I I think at that point I had decided to wait the end of the ballet season. So um, the ballet with the season, so from July to December, it's what we call the off season. So it's uh-huh. only rehearsals. So um, we learn new ballets, we go on tour, we create new ballets. When, but we, we don't really go on stage in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And from January to May, we have seven shows a week. Right. Beginning of March, they cancel the whole season. Uh, so that's why we've been training. Gotcha. With Zoom and oh right, I saw the video where you were you had gotten like the flooring, (laughs) yeah, and you were doing (laughs) yep. Um, Okay, and but when we got the result of the testing with Morad, we had decided okay, I'm gonna finish the ballet season uh, that was before COVID, and we'll do it after the ballet season because you know when they do the transfer, they doctor told me I need to lay, you know, take it easy for at least two weeks, no ballet, no jumping, no high extensions for two weeks. And I'm like, I'm going to be in the middle of the season. I don't want to feel guilty Mm -hmm. trying to have a baby. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if I do that while I'm supposed to dance, it's not going to be good karma because I'll feel guilty and Mm -hmm. I don't want to send these vibes, you know, down there. So totally. um, I'll wait the end of the season, which it's usually it's May. Um, right. so it's like right now, right. So right now we, it's just hard with this old COVID thing. I know. I'm an artist and Murad is a chef. He owns restaurants and mm-hmm. is a chef in those mm-hmm. restaurants. And we both work in two, uh, jobs that really, really affected by COVID, yes. um, you know, financially, and also the future is so insecure for him and for, for me. So it's just so hard because when this COVID started and the ballet got canceled, I was, in a way, I was happy. I was like, yeah, we can do the transfer right now. Right. And I remember talking to Murad. I was like, hey, so because I don't have to dance anymore, can we do the transfer now? And he's like, are you kidding me, Mathilde? And I'm mm-hmm. like, what? And he's like... I don't have a job anymore. Mm-hmm. My restaurants are all bankruptcy mm-hmm. and you, the ballet is canceled. Like, mm-hmm. do you really think that's the best time to have a baby right now? And I'm like, huh, 
Okay, so it's <sighs> it was a hard moment because I realized that this COVID thing affected both our works and also our private life because absolutely because of that we had to wait. Um, yeah, you know, so it's, it's been hard. It's been There's- really hard. There's so much waiting anyway, and then add yes. this freaking COVID on top of it and just adding more uncertainty. And I would imagine, not to put words in your mouth, but you know, you've you're such a controlled person and disciplined. Mm-hmm. So to have something be out of your control where you literally can't do anything about it right now must feel really terrible. Yeah, it's and be, yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but also it's, um, yeah. Yeah. But I, f- I wish in a way I, I, I wanted to tell him, you know, he doesn't listen to your podcast and he's really busy. And I, when I started this whole IVF process, honestly, I had no idea. I had no clue what it was. Mm-hmm. IVF, I didn't even know what it means. Yeah, like, I didn't either. Doctor told me. Doctor told me for thirty minutes. They told me IVF, and for me, IVF in French is FIV, FIV. Right. So I was like, "What she's talking about?" Right. Like, I need to do IVF. What? Like, so I, I just enter like everybody was entering this IVF world. It's all new, and but I learned so much listening to your podcast. To be oh, honest. that's good. <laughs> and also, I listen to all those women's story, and I know that the chance of me doing the transfer and having a baby right now is so small. Well, you um, never know. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, I feel like there's so many factors that go into it and there's true. so much, you know, there's a little bit of like luck involved, I believe as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it sounds like at least, you know, you've got these, these embryos that are yeah. sitting on ice, right. Waiting for you. <laughs> I know. So. But you know, I just want to tell him like, listen, the, I, there was a big chance that I'm not going to be pregnant right now. So it can be for years and years and years. Right. So we might as well just, just try now because yeah. I'm listening to all this amazing women's story uh-huh. on your podcast. And some people, it took years. So I'm totally. like, let's just start now because we're just yeah. losing time right now. So is the fact is that the, the clinic is, is would do it. It's just he's not ready right now. I think he... I think he will be soon. Yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna do it soon. Okay. Um, I think he's just scared. He's scared, you know. Yes. Totally. Uh, guys, I don't know if he's guys or whatever, but he has this idea of like providing for the family. One hundred percent. And I think right now he's having restaurants in America. Uh, they are having such a hard time. Um, yes. And it's literally no money at all like yeah. nothing yeah and he's like i'm 51 i waiting waited all my life to have a kid and now i'm, I'm gonna have a kid at the worst moment of my life right um, the moment when i we couldn't even pay the rent last yeah. month so it's oh like material we can pay the rent or are we gonna have a baby right now and i'm like yeah yeah you have a fun you know, the only yeah. thing I can say is there really is never a, a perfect time to do it. And, sure. you know, not that that's going to change his mind or anything, but I mean, it's, I feel like you're right. Like time, it's hard. It's so tricky because you don't want to rush it, but you've been waiting so long and it does get harder 
you know, the yeah. longer you wait and it might take a couple of times, but maybe not, you never know. So yeah. I get it. I totally get it. And I'm sorry that you're, there's so much and uncertainty. It's funny right because now. I've, you know, I'm only <laughs> also, so I listened to, um, I think it was Ellie, uh, the woman and she's American and she lives in France. Yes. Was on the Ellie. first season, I think. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm like a podcast freak. I um, love it. <laughs> and so she had IVF in France and it's funny because in, I think in November I went back to France and I, since I was there for two weeks, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to see doctors in France and I'll do acupuncture and all those things in France. I'm, I don't want to lose time, you know? Uh-huh. Um, that's facing in, in me also. And <laughs> talking to doctors in France saying like, yeah, you know, I'm 34 and I'm like old and stuff. Like, you know, my, my time, I'm on the clock. And they're like, no, 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 you're only 34. What are you talking about? Yeah. So there is such a big difference, difference between doctors and friends. Like you're 34 and you're doing IVF. They're like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, then here in America, every time I talk to a doctor, they're like, 35. Yeah. Okay, well, you're on the edge. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? They're like, you old ass lady. Yeah, yeah I know. So, it's yeah. rough. But also, Murad is 51. And yeah. I know for guys, it's less important, but it's more a matter of like, I want him to get to spend time with his kids. Totally. You know? Our kid, mm. whatever we have. So, we do have a clock, you know. Okay. Well, I'm rooting for you so hard. Before we get off, I wanted to ask, since coming out with this story, you know, you've talked about a little bit on Instagram and I don't know about if anywhere else, but you know, when this comes out, you know, it'll be out there even further. Have you gotten any backlash from anybody or like, are you nervous about any sort of reactions you're going to get from like the dance community or anything like that? I mean, I I would hope not because you're doing a good thing by telling your story, but I wonder if you... I was really surprised by how many messages I got. Like it was nonstop for like two weeks. It was nonstop messaging on Instagram and Facebook all over by mm-hmm. dancers and also just people following me on Instagram saying like, oh, I went through the same thing. Oh, like people that I knew, I had no idea. Uh-huh. Okay. Also so it's been a good of, response. It was amazing. Also because of Murad's chef right. world, so many chefs' wife. Uh, email me and say like, oh, I did the same thing. And then like, just amazing. It's been amazing. I didn't hear anything from the ballet. Um, My ballet company, like my boss and the ballet master, anything. Right. It's just by saying that you want to be pregnant in the ballet, you give a message saying like, oh, then she's not, I'm not going to cast her for this role because she has other priority yeah and you know what yes I do have other priorities I want to be pregnant so I didn't tell it because I didn't want to not be casted on this role or this ballet or whatever or not be chosen by this choreographer but it was hypocritical I do not want to be casted and I do not want to dance this role I just want to be pregnant And I think that was the coming out for me. It was not, oh, I did IVF, blah, blah, blah. It was, listen, this is my priority. And I love ballet. I love dancing. But it has been my priority since I'm eight years old. Right now, 
I have a few years and that's going to be my priority. And yeah, I think that was my coming out. Oh, <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> thank you. I'm so sorry that it's been so hard, but you're so amazing. And I'm so, thank you so much for sharing all this with us. Thank you for talking to me. <laughs> Hey again, guys. Oh my God. I love that conversation so much. And she's just the coolest. And I'm so proud of her for coming out and getting into all the details of that and for just sharing her story to help other people. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Mathilde, thank you again for everything. And I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.